the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I just went live and knocked over a glass off my desk here, so nothing broken, I don't think. And and more importantly, from the standpoint of the technical operation, no spillage on any equipment. So good to be with you. It's Ed Martin, Pro-America Report. Uh, what an interesting day we had today. What a, a couple of days. Uh, we missed last night with the State of the Union intruding on our coverage, so we got a lot to catch up on. In a few minutes, we'll talk, as usual, this week with uh, every week with uh, John Schlafly, the Schlafly Report, which will be great. Get an update here from Virginia, where I live now, from a gentleman named Shaq Hill, one of the leading conservatives in Virginia. He's going to fill us in on what's happening specifically on the Second Amendment, the move to take away some gun rights by the Democrats in, in Virginia. And uh, we'll wrap up. I'll give you a little update on uh, on how the State of the Union may have shown you how Trump is winning a laundry list, and we'll talk about that in just about a minute now. But also, I want to talk about America first and a couple of policy uh, decisions by the Trump administration you may not have noticed. One to do with China, one to do with refugees. We'll wrap up with that later on. But first, let's talk about what you need to know. It's uh, great to be with you. Again, it's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I was texting with one of the listeners, and you can always text me directly, by the way. 314-256-1776 is a phone number. About 15 years ago, I got that phone number. And I set it up to text because I love the idea. 314-256-1776, you know, 1776. And I set up being people could text me. I've kept it all these years, no matter where I go as a second number on my system and you text right to my phone. So I was texting with one of the listeners. He said, hey, I haven't heard you say enough recently. Talk enough about the work you do in your day job. And I said, well, um, I, he said, you ought to do that more. And so let me just be a little clear with the listeners. Uh, I am the president of the late Phyllis Schlafly's organizations. She was, Phyllis Schlafly was a conservative sort of icon and a leader and a writer. And over her long career, she started, well, um, five or six or seven or eight or nine organizations, but two or three that you might know. Eagle Forum is one name. Uh, we rebranded uh, the one of the organizations, Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Uh, she, she led on the pro-life movement with an organization called RNC Life, which focused on the Republican Party being pro-life. So I was picked by her, amazingly, in the last years of her life to take over. And so all across the country, we have Eagle leaders who uh, are working. You've heard Woody Woodrum, who's on the program pretty frequently. He's down in Southern California for our Eagles. Uh, we have Eagles in about 40 states, volunteers who care about being pro-family, pro-life, uh, pro-America, and uh, it's a great group. So I'm very proud to do that, and that's what I do with my day job. Thank you. I think it's Todd who was texting. Thanks for asking that, Todd. And you can find out more. Go to phyllisschlafly.com, phyllisschlafly.com. That's our website. She was one of the greatest leaders, period, and happened to be on the conservative side of the aisle uh, of the last hundred years. Just an amazing grassroots organizer, uh, as I mentioned, a writer, a communicator, really special, did a lot of radio herself. So uh, that's fun. All right, now let me get to it with today, what you need to know. I want to walk you through a couple of aspects of the last 36 hours. And first, you're going to not be surprised uh, that when I tell you if you care about the pro-America movement, the pro-America report is what we're in right now, you watch that State of the Union last night, and it's widely considered now 
one of the great speeches, State of the Union speeches. You know, people as as diverse as um, Van Jones, he said, yeah, that's a, that's a good speech, you know. And then Repub- I knew, think Newt Gingrich said it was one of the best he'd ever seen. Uh, Bob Dole, of course, who was in his 90s, uh, said, I mean, not of course, but Bob Dole was in his 90s. He's seen quite a few State of the Unions. He said it was great. It was a very well-done speech. It had all the pieces that you need uh, to tug at the heartstrings. It had uh, red meat for the base. It was well done. Uh, the president didn't take the bait to um, talk about impeachment or talk about Iowa caucuses. He just stayed on winning. And a couple moments that stood out, just extraordinary, the uh, coupling, pairing, the revelation, revelation of that uh, soldier coming back from Afghanistan, surprising the parents, which is, you know, goosebump uh, inducing with the next message, which was we're going to bring all the troops home. You know, it just captured in an image, in a story, what this president wants to do in terms of ending these uh, these, you know, endless wars. Uh, it was very powerful. I thought <clears throat> the um, Soleimani, the uh, mean and nasty general who was killed, uh, the coverage of the young boy and his mother who were left without their father, who was killed by a, a roadside bomb set by Soleimani and his crew. Powerful. Right. I mean, he just moved through these pieces so well. It was extraordinary. I mean, and and you take that and you couple that with today's news that the impeachment vote went, you know, for Trump. And he was, you know, in fact, you can say he was not even impeached. It doesn't count unless you, it was an attempted impeachment. And so uh, he won again. Um, and it was extraordinary. So he's on this role. He's on a real role of winning and succeeding. And you're seeing it in polling numbers, you know, record numbers amongst Republicans. But now Gallup has a higher highest ratings he ever he's ever had higher than Obama at this point. I mean, you're seeing, you know, clarity come as one guy, Trump, is leading successfully. And the contrast is, who are these other people, five or six candidates now? It was easy when people thought, well, Trump is running against some generic Democrat that we have to. I'm sick of Trump. I don't like Trump, people would say. And there'll be someone there. Now they have to look at these people and say, who, who is it? Who, who am I going to support? And so everything is going Trump's way in a big way, too. The economy's still humming. Um, you know, there was the uh, there was the I'll mention later in the program, the president still moving to protect America's interest in, in terms of China. But he did point out that, you know, we're getting along with foreign uh, nations that have these issues. And so everything's going the right direction. And I think it's extraordinary. Now, I do want to point out, and this is what you need to know, that the enemies, the opposition to this president are not minor league ball players. These aren't amateurs. For example, Nancy Pelosi, and you can say, and you know, when you watched her on the stage behind Trump, making faces, mumbling to herself and all that, all that looked a little odd. She didn't look great and all. But when she planned to and then ex- executed the tearing up of his speech behind him, she stole the show all day long. All the pundits, all the people were talking about what she did. It was a master. I don't like her. She's an evil genius. But it was a masterful stroke. For her, it was the absolute best thing she could do to capture the attention, distract from the great speech, and take things away. Now, let me be clear. She excited the 30% of the country that thinks she's great and hate Trump. The rest of the country think it was crazy. In fact, on C-SPAN this morning, there was callers. I think I was on the Democrat line. I know that. I wouldn't say they were caller after caller, but there were about three in a row that said, I couldn't believe she did that. I'm a Democrat. I can't believe it." it. It was wasn't a winning move politically, but it was an incredibly powerful image that she pulled off. 
and that froze the conversation all day long. I mean, unbelievably talented big league maneuver to take from the president his shining speech and muddy it up. Again, I think she loses the speakership next year because I think she's put her, her party in a, her, her House majority in a terrible position, untenable position. But I'm just describing how she stole his thunder. And secondarily, another example, not secondarily, but another example is Mitt Romney today, where on one of the two counts of impeachment, he voted for the conviction on the impeachment. Now, it still failed, but what he did was put himself at the center of the conversation where he could wah, wah, wah about his conscience and all these kinds of things. What he did was stab his own party in the back. Susan Collins from Maine, who's in a tough re-election campaign, a couple others who are in tough re-election campaigns where they have to go. And once he said, I will vote for conviction, the Democrats that were weak, Manchin, Jones, and others, could vote for conviction too, because now you can say it was bipartisan. It was a bipartisan effort. It was a bipartisan vote to convict the president. And that's the cover you need if you're a politician. So not only did Mitt Romney stab the president in the back, and he really did. I mean, he really did. But he also gave cover for the Democrats in a fight to hold the Senate or gain the Senate or win the Senate, depending on what side you're on. And my point here is not, I mean, I can't stand it. I sent an email out about it. I can't stand it. I can't stand who that man is, Mitt Romney, and what he's become. It's just, it's terrible to me that he's a leader. It shouldn't be like that. But the fact is this, it was masterful. And, of course, the media covered both Pelosi and Romney, you know, just just to, to the nth degree and with breathtaking coverage of their sincerity and their emotion and their realness and blah, blah, blah. None of it is none of it's true. None of it's real. It's all part of the effort to oppose this president. And again, what you need to know is it's true. Trump is winning. I mean, dramatically winning for the American people. So are we all. But the enemies the actors on the other side of this fight these are not these these are the people who are against we the people pelosi and romney these are not minor league ball players they know what they're doing and they're going to keep doing it and we have to be aware of it and we have to understand what's going on name it call it and fight back all right that's what you need to know let's take a quick break we come back we'll talk with shaq hill my friend in virginia expert on conservative issues we'll tell you an update on the second amendment in virginia and what they're up to be right back it's ed martin here in the pro america report on the answer be back fm 96.1 and am 1170 the answer this is the pro america report on the answer san diego Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And, you know, I was mentioning earlier that text exchange with one of the listeners, I think it's Todd. Todd and I were shooting back and forth about the work that the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles do, of which I'm the president of the organization. Phyllis loved and really revered the battles over the Constitution and the, and the heart of the Constitution, what it was, why it was uh, created, what it was meant to do. And, of course, she recognized, and we do too, the power of uh, the protections in that Constitution, especially the ones we can you know, kind of talk about easily, the Second Amendment, First Amendment, the Bill of Rights. And our next guest is a friend of mine, Shaq Hill, who's one of the leading conservatives in uh, Virginia and really nationally. He's a graduate of the U.S. Uh, Air Force Academy and served uh, with distinction as a pilot for many years. And 
uh, has worked in business now that he's been out. He was a candidate for office also, uh, which is, as the late Phyllis Schlafly used to say, and I often tell people, if you've never run for office, you really don't know what candidates go through. Or at least say this way, pro, pro, uh, pro positively, if you've run, you have a perspective that helps you understand what candidates go through. So maybe say that way. But uh, Shaq Hill is uh, someone he was mentioning earlier in the week and last week. Hey, you, you know, the, we got to keep after this Second Amendment battle in uh, Virginia. So welcome, Shaq. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing excellent. How are you, Ed? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So first of all, te- set up our listeners. I mean, we have a lot of, we, we originate out of San Diego. We get folks that listen all over the place. But Virginia has been, everybody's seen in Virginia, seen Virginia in, uh, on the news. Uh, abortion issues a few in the last year, Governor Northam saying terrible things. But now the rubber hits the road. They're, the legislature, uh, the General Assembly and the Senate are Democrat. The governor's Democrat in Richmond here. What are they trying to do? And where, what, what, give us a lay of the land here, Shaq. Well, the lay of the land is quite simple. Um, with regard to the Second Amendment, with regard to Republicans in Virginia, uh, we've had uh, Republican uh, uh, has been a part of the state, uh, whether it's been inside of the General Assembly, which is what we call our legislative body, or in the governor's mansion, uh, now for over two decades. And for the first time, we now have both the Senate, the House of Delegates, Uh, as our legislator body, and then we have a governor that are all Democrats. And the Democrats have come in with a mission, and the mission is to turn Virginia blue as quickly as possible. And I'll give you a quick example, give your listeners a quick example. Uh, Since 2002, the VCDL, which is our gun advocacy group here at the state local level, of which I'm a very proud member of, and the VCDL is just the Virginia Citizens Defense League. Since 2002, uh, we assemble quite simply every year to petition our our um, General Assembly members. We are allowed to carry on the government uh, land, so right there at the Capitol in Richmond, uh, right by the Liberty uh, Bell that we had, where your listeners may remember that some of our our historical figures have been uh, in in the past when um, you know when our country was founded, and we've been allowed to open carry, and not only Ed can we carry on the grounds of the state capitol, we literally can go into the legislative building and carry. And as we're speaking to our senators and our delegates, Mm -hmm. uh, we can have, if we have a duly concealed carry license, we can go into their offices, we can have a conversation. It has never been a problem. So what now is occurring in Virginia, which really should put the rest of the state on notice, is that the radical left is now coming in and they are putting bills in front of uh, the legislative bodies, they're ignoring the will of the people, and it is quite frightening. So perhaps your lis- listeners in California saw on Martin Luther King Day, we had, uh, on our estimates, uh, thirty to 50,000 patriots that went to the state capitol. Many of them did not go on to the capitol grounds because... The governor declared a state of emergency, which was uh, a bunch of um, uh, I don't know if I can say this on the air, but it was it was. Yeah, not, yeah, no, don't, uh, don't, 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 don't. Hooey, hooey. We say we call it hooey, hooey. It was hooey, hooey. Yeah, yeah. It was hooey. So many of them stayed outside of the the perimeters, fully loaded. 
AR-15s, M1 Garands, they were loaded to the max, and not a single shot was fired. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got injured with over uh, tens of thousands of people there, and still the bills are getting passed, and it's really frightening. We're talking with Shaq Hill. And Shaq, but let me ask you about this. Uh, when you see the pictures, and I, live, I tell our listeners, I live in Northern Virginia, and too, so i am been here a couple of years, and I I've, you know, I know the politics a little bit. But you see the pictures. It's like Virginia is now almost divided into two areas. Northern Virginia has this sort of uh, liberal-leaning areas, and then the rest of the state, lots of sort of classic, uh, you know, conservative counties and towns that are saying, hey, wait a second, we don't want to get rolled by the, uh, by the liberals who have won and are in power. Is is it, a, is it bipartisan, though, is it, or is it breaking down? You know, when they love to cover this stuff and say, oh, it's all par- partisan uh, divide. Is there is it bipartisan in Virginia? Are there some Democrats that are saying, hey, we don't want this either, or is it really a partisan split? Well, uh, let me tackle your question in twofold. So we've got Northern Virginia, which is uh, very heavily Democratic, and there's a lot of liberals up here. And then the general Richmond area uh, are also very liberal-oriented. So one of the things that the gun owners have done in Virginia is we have actually started declaring sanctuary cities for the Second Amendment, not for illegal aliens, not for those who break the law, but for those that love our Constitution and want to be able to protect our ourselves. So as of uh, the end of January, just a couple of days ago, uh, there's 137 sanctuary cities and counties in Virginia. And to put that in perspective, Mm, that's over 90% of the counties and cities have declared themselves in the legislative body as a sanctuary city. So there's nothing, you know, partisan or bipartisan or Republican or Democrat about that. It is a function of the people of Virginia speaking out and clearly through their legislative local body saying that they are a Second Amendment sanctuary city. But to your point, um, there's a lot of people in Virginia, particularly on the Republican and conservative side, uh, that are gun owners. I mean, Virginia has 644,000 concealed carry uh, permits that have been issued by the state, and it's very easy to get one. To put that in perspective, I mean, uh, California, uh, from the numbers that I looked at, have less than 100,000 concealed carry. Um, But... Many of the bills that are trying to go through right now are being blocked um, or being voted against by Republicans. But there have been a couple of Democrats that have crossed over to block some of these bad gun grabbing bills. And this is very telling because what it's telling you is that the the momentum of the left, the radicalness of the liberals is single party only. There are those that are crossing over from the left to the conservative side and blocking some of these bills. So the bipartisan part of the bill is to block it from going into effect. Hmm. Is um, well, we're talking with Shaq Hill, and uh, on, on Twitter it's at Shaq Hill, S H A K H I L L, just Shaq with an O C in there. Um, Shaq, is there a place people can go to read more? What's your most reliable resource on this stuff? I only have about thirty seconds left, so is there a place I can send people to find out more? Or do we need to have you on the show every couple of weeks to tell Absolutely. us? 
Yeah, Both. absolutely. <laughs> I mean, where you want to go and where your listeners want to go is vcdl.org. So that's the Virginia Citizens Defense League.org. My military background, Victor Charlie Delta Lima. <laughs> .org. <laughs> there you go. All right. And pretty, pretty good. All right. About what's going on here in Virginia. <laughs> All right, I'll put it up. I'm up against the break. Shaq Hill, thanks very much. We'll have you back on again. Thanks for the update. It's an important time, and as you point out, whether you're in California or Arizona or anywhere, what you see in Virginia, it's a model for what they're trying to do and move the ball. So uh, we'll take a quick break. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be right back. FM 96.1 and AM 1170, The Answer. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here to Pro-America Report. Our guest, as usual, this time of the week, it's time to talk with John Schlafly. The Schlafly Report posts uh, Tuesday night at our, t- our sister site, townhall.com, and available at phyllisschlafly.com on uh, Wednesday in archive there. So you can get all the columns. Andy Schlafly and John Schlafly, the two sons, two of four sons that Phyllis Schlafly, they Phyllis Schlafly, uh, brought into this world, and they continue to write the column that she wrote for so many uh, years, decades, really. Uh, welcome back, John. How are you? I'm fine, Ed. How are you? Good to talk to you. I'm fine. So, Yeah, nice to talk to you. Now, you must be celebrating. I know you picked the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl based on the politically correct uh, name. Uh, and and I wanted, you must be doing a victory lap. <laughs> well, there was a... It, 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 it's having some winter weather in uh, uh, Kansas City and St. Louis, Ed, so uh, it's put a damper on the victory, but... Uh, yeah, we're doing a victory lap with the Chiefs and a victory lap with the with the failure of the impeachment campaign against Trump, too, and the State of the Union address. There's a lot to celebrate today. There sure is. I mean, it seems like uh, it seems like with this president, doesn't it, that uh, time moves faster. There's more. There's just more to it. By the way, I do want to clarify for you, John, the name Chiefs is not derived from uh, Native Americans. It was the nickname of the owner of the chi- of the Chiefs. And uh, so they called him after him. I, and I, I have this uh, on uh, on reliable authority. Not only did I hear that last week and then realize it, but I checked it on Wikipedia earlier. So it has to be right. I mean, it has to be correct. But uh, let's not let's not dwell on the Chiefs right now. Let's talk for a second about that impeachment, the vote today. And, you know, you have a long view. You, you remember the, the Clinton impeachment. I know you were just a, a youngster during uh, Nixon and all, or at least the almost impeachment there. Um, but what is the what is the um, effect of how it all played out? Is it is it impeachment is now, a, you know, sort of nothing and it's kind of like a light thing? Is it more serious? I mean, I know Trump wins. Is this what people feel? But what's the effect on the constitutional, you know, uh, impeachment uh, provision is it is it what do you think well i i you're exactly right ed that uh, uh what pelosi has done is to uh define impeachment down to the point where it's just another political tool it's not uh, uh you know uh the impeachment was something was so awesome and so rare that it really meant something well that's not true anymore and uh yeah. so it's just a tool in the political arsenal. So yeah. that, that's all it's, it is. Uh, it's not, it's not yeah. serious. It's partisan. And, uh, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, we're, we're talking with John Shafi. I meant to say the, his column this week is called with Andy Shafi, his brother, Impeachment Discredits Dems, Not Trump, uh, which is what we're saying. But also uh, interesting to see, and I think this is really true, coupled with Pelosi, her stunt on camera tearing up the speech was effective. I mean, I, it's e- evil, but effective. It captured everyone's attention. But it doesn't do anything to get voters. And I think, you know, your column, which talks about uh, um, Trump's approval ratings up, uh, people are, are looking at the Congress and thinking, man, you can't. You're not securing the border. You're you're not even impeaching with any meaningful. I mean, it all just looks like a mess. And here's Trump who's saying, you know, look at the things I'm accomplishing. I, I guess my question for you, John, is how long is the memory of the voters? You know, we're still seven or eight months away from voting. Do they forget about this? I mean, are we still are we going to go back into another Russia hoax or something next and just keep this up? Well, I guess the um, the Democrats what was it, about six months ago that the Democrats first started talking about Ukraine. Um, and, of course, it was a year before that that they talked about Russia. So right. I guess there's still time to come up with something. Uh, there's, <laughs> right. another, there's another nine months to go. But, uh, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to work. Um, you know, uh, impeachment... You know, the, the, the Mueller probe having to do with Russia, that consumed a little over a year, about a year and two or three months. The impeachment lasted about six months. So time is shortening. And, uh, no, I don't think there's enough time to build up something to a fever pitch and then have it effective. I don't think so. All right. We're talking with John Schlafly. Let me slide over and get your opinion on the Iowa caucuses. Uh, not so much the disaster of the Democrats not being able to count the caucus votes, but it looks like now, however it comes out, it's Bernie at the top with Buttigieg and then Warren and then Biden. I, you know, I guess is how, how do you see it shaking out? I mean, I, you know, where do you think that the, the again, the Democrat voters, are they going to go now? Well, uh, Bernie Sanders, you know, does have undeniable grassroots appeal and uh so but the people who control the democratic party the people who finance the democratic party don't want him and i think they're going to uh open the the way for mike bloomberg to come in and swoop in with his hundreds of billions of dollars hundreds of millions of dollars to take the nomination away from bernie sanders that's what I hmm. see. You think it already you, changed you th- the rules th- for the next debate in order to make it possible for Bloomberg to participate. He otherwise would not qualify. But they want Bloomberg to take it away from Bernie Sanders, I think. Hmm. But, is, um, uh, you know, uh, Sanders, Bloomberg, you know, he can't win. I, I really do not think that Mike Bloomberg can win, no matter how much money he has. So, um, but... But John, let me ask you. Let me. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my notes here, and I, I I didn't mean to get you off on the Democrat primary because I want to ask you this question. In the next segment, I'm going to talk about the other lots of stuff that Trump's doing that you can't list in a State of the Union speech. One thing he's cut back on the number of refugees that we let in the country. Now he's put in the budget. He wants to cut the amount of money that goes to the refugee programs because he knows that they fund you know organizations that basically create refugees to the country. He's also um, he's he's put on the on the um, uh, blacklist. Uh, so-called blacklist, Chinese tech companies that try to contract with American uh, uh, government, the American federal government. And my point here is, 
it's like America first for this guy. There's a million things we're not seeing that, that are extraordinary. And if you think about what your mother, late Phyllis Schlafly, saw when she picked Donald Trump before almost anybody on the right and the conservative side, it's really amazing how much he's done and how those little things you can't listen in a state of the union are, are directionally just right what we needed, somebody on our side. Yes, um, yes, that's exactly right. And, uh, you know, the the refugee racket uh, is a particularly good one uh, because there's uh, a, 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 there are groups that, uh, as you say, create refugees, and many of them are yeah. financed by by the federal government. And he is cutting their budgets or cutting them off, and that's an excellent, excellent thing to do. Well, and, and, and it's as I said to someone I did an interview on this uh, on another station, I said, you know, what they do is they advocate for the refugee naming. They can name them and then they call them that and they get paid for it. I mean, you know, do you talk about a racket? I mean, and, and, and the idea that you would be, be able to get away with it over and over. And of course, what happens is it's somebody like Lutheran, uh, uh, you know, charitable services or Catholic charities. And the, the, the politicians, normal politicians, not Trump, would be like, yeah, I'm not going against the bishops or I'm not going against the Missouri Synod Lutherans. Those are good people. They're on my side. I'm not going to get sideways with them. Meanwhile, the racket continues. I mean, that's really the problem. And I just think the example after example uh, of of what he's doing directionally is pretty extraordinary. And, and I, you have to think, um, you know, in a second term, that trend line would be even more pronounced and amazing. Uh, well, yes. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the State of the Union address, uh, Ed, really, it was... It hits so many bases, and the and mm-hmm. the wind up towards the end about all of the great things about um, American history. I mean, Trump is somebody who has a great feel for that, and uh, yep, and and uh, and of course the Tuskegee Airmen, a hundred years old. That was a not yeah, very yeah. very nice touch <laughs> with his great promoting him too. Promo- promoting him that was even better. Yeah, uh, yeah, ready to join the space force. I mean, that ties yeah. it all together. <laughs> Couldn't be better. Yeah, no, it's true. All right, John Schlafly and the Schlafly Report it posts over at townhall.com on Tuesday nights uh, and also available at phyllisschlafly.com by Wednesday and, and archived there. Thanks, John. We'll talk again next week uh, and uh, we'll get more in, in this, this week's column we'll put up on social media. All right, we'll take a quick break and be right back. We'll wrap things up with a couple of those things. I said Donald Trump was doing America Americans first, putting Americans first ways you didn't hear in the State of the Union, but real and, uh, and a help. We'll talk about that in a minute. Ed Martin, right here in the Pro America Report on The Answer. Be back. Streaming now at TheAnswerSanDiego.com and Radio.com. Ed Martin and the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. Uh, great show as usual. Hey, don't forget, you know, a lot of you, I've been trying to remember to remind you, I my day job, I work uh, during the day as the president of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles uh, are the organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly. I worked for Phyllis for three or four years uh, directly. I've known her for a couple of decades before that, the late Phyllis Schlafly. And uh, she decided to handpick me and name me as her successor, which is an honor. 
honor beyond any honor I could imagine. Uh, but I have it's a lot of responsibility. We have our organization, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, all across the country. We do pro-life work, pro-family work, pro-constitution work, educating, uh, helping people understand uh, what's going on. Uh, politics is where the action is, is what Phyllis used to say, meaning we know our conservative principles. We've got to influence politics uh, and policy and be aware, aware of that. So you can always find out more about my work at phyllisschlafly.com, phyllisschlafly.com, and go there and check things out. Also, you can go to edmartinlive.com and sign up there for my daily email, edmartinlive.com, and uh, at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter. And always great to hear from folks. All right. Wrapping things up today, you know, obviously the president's uh, the big thing was the State of the Union last night and the impeachment and all the success that the president's having uh, to be able to get through these things. I think the State of the Union was a huge success. Let me highlight a couple of other things that the president is winning on or maybe uh, pull out of the State of the Union. You can't cover everything. And we talked earlier in the program about how successful uh, I thought the State of the Union was. But. Here's two areas that Trump is winning. And and, and, other, and and when I say that, what I mean is if you believe in the direction he's taken the country, and I do, I think many of the listeners do, then you need to see these details to know what's happening. So here's one example. Well, the overall example is putting Americans first, putting Americans first. He does that over and over again, and he does it without fear. He does it without fear of the repercussions from big business, for repercussions from the Republicans or Democrats, uh, even from the grassroots. Sometimes he makes decisions about things. You know, the tariffs, there were lots of the grassroots conservatives that said, oh, my gosh, tariffs are bad. He just did it. He did what he believes is right. Here's an example of putting Americans first in a way that many politicians wouldn't have bothered uh, doing. The White House has proposed that they will put out a special list. I'm, someone is calling it a blacklist. I don't think they're calling it that specifically, but a list uh, that would identify two Chinese companies that should be on the banned list from using doing equipment because they do uh, high tech stuff. And so you know, there are literally hundreds of millions of dollars in uh, government uh, contracts let each year to do things that the government decides they need done. They get companies to do it. Well, a couple of the companies and we know Huawei. We've heard a lot about that Huawei, the Chinese owned company that wants to build 5G and compete with Qualcomm and other companies and how America, uh, President Trump has resisted that. Well, there's two other companies. One's called Heek Vision, H-I-K Vision and Dahao. I think I might be missing pronouncing that D-A-H-U-A Dehua maybe Um, and these companies uh, the president his office is proposing that there be a prohibition on the equipment being used uh, because they believe that the equipment is directly controlled and managed by China now, what happens in government contracts is there's lots of Americans who do government contracts. You go find the contract, you get it let, and you go connect yourself with a company. There's a huge set of the swamp that just does government contracts. And so the president is just, I mean, I kind of fearlessly saying, hey, just because there's millions and millions of dollars, we're not going to let that happen. We're, we're not going to let this on procure, procurement of especially high tech. And that's how it's positioned. In other words, even though the president is saying, yeah, we got a great relationship with President Xi, he the government under President Trump is moving aggressively is one of the tweets I saw aggressively to address the concern about Chinese, in this case, Chinese made video surveillance. 
Because if somebody makes the, you know, the Chinese have shown this, they like to make stuff and then leave inside a back door for them to look at things or to access things or to be involved. So this is a great example of the president putting Americans first and doing it even as he's trying to get other things done, right? They're trying to get a trade deal with China, but he's not going to back off even if it would make uh, some folks feel better or make things easier. So that's one example. Another example we've talked about a couple of times, and I'll put this one up on social media, is the example of the refugee issue. President Obama, especially, but even other uh, presidents, including Bush W. Bush, uh, had this thing. They were convinced that if you let in millions and millions of refugees and there would be these contractors who uh, get paid private entities, a lot of times nonprofits, a lot of times related to charities, and they get paid to administer the refugee programs. Well, it all sounds, I mean, sort of okay. I mean, what who's against refugees, except what happened under the Trump, excuse me, the Obama administration is they kept expanding the definition of refugee as a way to let more and more people in flooding the country. And so the president has been cutting back on the number of refugees, the number that's allowed each year and making sure that there is uh, it's a legitimate thing that we're not just saying somebody's a refugee because just because they want to come to America that we may want to have a law that allows some refugees to come that are really in need. But we can't have it be that everybody wants to come here and they just get here because we use the term refugee. Well, even better than that, not even better. In addition to that, President Trump has had what I would call, again, the courage to put Americans first. And this is identified by Ann Corcoran, our friend who runs the RefugeeSettlementWatch.org, RefugeeSettlementWatch.org. The Trump administration has moved to cut from the budgets uh, of the American budget almost $500 million that was used by NGOs, non-government organizations, budgets in Central America. Meaning, we have, amazingly, we have so much money in America and our budgets are so big, our government budgets, we fund organizations that assist in these programs, refugee programs and all these kinds of things. One of them is called the Association for a More Just Society, International Justice Mission. They all sound nice, right? They use pretty nice terms and innocuous terms. However, they're organizations that are cultivating the mindset that we just have, let's have more people we call refugees, we'll spend more tax dollars on it, we'll let more people into our country. And look, again, my point here is putting Americans first means that President Trump is cutting $500 million, trying to, out of the budgets that fund these organizations that promote this kind of thinking. And it's wildly unpopular with the people that do that, which are lots of people and lots of, you know, people that are consider themselves, you know, good Samaritans. They say they're doing something good. They don't. Their mindset is that growing the country and tax dollars spent for this is good. It's not good, in my opinion. Trump says it's not good either. But he has the courage to, you know, the Lutheran Family Services is going to complain and the Catholic Charities is going to complain. And President Trump is just saying, hey, we got to put our people first. We've got to put our people first before other people. That's the through the through line, the, the thread that I see in President Trump's uh, State of the Union last night and in President Trump's kind of America first. I've often said that his phrase I, I, I prefer is Americans first. It's not that we don't care about the rest of the world. They just have to come after we care about ourselves first. And when the policies like for years, decades, we, our government, our federal government was weak 
in fighting with China on these various things because so many of our big businesses and so many of our politicians in both parties thought, well, we have to have this trade. We have to get this. It's too good for. Well, President Trump said, no, they're, 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 they're stealing too much. They're, they're taking too much from us. It's not a fair deal. And he's had the courage to keep fighting that way. It's extraordinary to watch, and it's really, really important to understand what's going on. America first is something that means something to President Trump in a way that I don't think most people can see. You know, you you may see it in the big speech, the State of the Union, when he talks about jobs. And and as I mentioned earlier in the program, that he says um, we're trying to lift all the boats. There's no hyphenated Americans for President Trump. He's not looking after one group or the other group. He's saying everybody's climbing. Well, then he will highlight how he's, you know, this is good for certain communities, but they're not targeted the way the Democrats seem to parse them out, in my opinion. But no matter how you uh, uh, put it together in the speech last night, there was lots of reasons for lots of Americans to feel like, hey, we're going in the right direction. More is happening. Well, very specifically, the Americans first doctrine, which is what I'm describing with these examples, China uh, and and refugees, the Americans, uh, Americans first, putting Americans first is a very effective, uh, very important shift. And as I've said a hundred times, if I've said it once on the show, when you get your priorities, when you're challenged that your priorities are off base and you try to reset them, and that's what I think America First did, you have an opportunity to change not only how you see things, but how you uh, live and operate and uh, work together. And I think that's what the president's doing. So anyway, thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin, Pro-America Report. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our great technical director, Joanna, producing Out of the Heart of America. And have a great night, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow night. It's Ed Martin, Pro-America Report, here on The Answer. 